My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test Jesus and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction, take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, the one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. I'm not sure how many colleges and universities require it anymore, but one of the biggest pains in the neck in the whole application process was trying to write those personal statement essays. That's where you had to describe yourself in some creative, succinct way that would somehow capture the admissions officer's attention. It was your opportunity to try to rattle off your achievements and successes and make your case why you should be able to attend whatever school it was you were applying to. For the life of me, I can't even tell you whatever it was that I came up with. But over 30 years later, I can still remember my brother Craig's essay. He saw a box of candy that I had and he used it as a metaphor for himself. And that candy would be Wonka's everlasting gobstoppers. That hard candy ball that the more you, you suck on it, it would change flavors and colors. So it would start out as an orange, and then the next layer was grape, and then after that, you get to strawberry. So my brother Craig was very clever, and he used that to describe himself, saying that there were many different layers to him, and how it took time to get to the core of who he was, and what was most important to him. I don't know if you find it impressive or not. The, the admissions college at Boston College was impressed. 
And obviously it was, it was memorable to me because just seeing the box of candy at the store triggered this memory for me the other night. And it stayed with me as I was looking at the scripture. Because the more I thought about it, Jesus' parables are like gobstoppers. They're such an effective way of teaching because there's so many different layers to these stories. Now this story of the Good Samaritan, it's, it's so well known that even those who aren't regular churchgoers have some recollection of the story. Guy gets beaten up and robbed. The people you would think who would help don't. And then the Samaritan guy goes above and beyond what would have ever been expected in that situation. And the take home point for us that we're left with is that Jesus is asking us to do the same, to go above and beyond what's expected, to be generous and selfless to help those in need. And that's definitely an important point of Jesus's message and teaching. That's the bar that he set of how we're to serve one another as a way of truly being his follower. And if you're like me, then you kind of come away from that feeling a little bit self-conscious. How many times have I heard this message and recognized how often I haven't gone that extra mile? Probably too many times for me to recount. Maybe I'm not as good at following Jesus as I thought I was or should be. And some of that self-reflection is a good thing. I need to do an examination of conscience and, and reflect on the things that I've done or haven't done that haven't been in line with Jesus' expectations of his disciples. But before we allow Catholic guilt to run amok and forget that Mass isn't meant to beat us up and that the Gospel was meant to be good news, there are a lot more deeper levels to this Gospel for us to reflect on. There's a historical layer that gives a lot more color and texture to the story. Jews and Samaritans hated each other. And even though for the most part Samaritans were Jewish, in a way, they were like these feuding cousins who, century upon century, had fought over everything, whether it was over how they worshipped, to what their relationships would be with, with pagan people. For example, Jewish people forbid any marriage outside of Judaism, and Samaritans allowed for interfaith marriages, so Jews considered and called them unclean. And you can imagine that didn't go over very well. And it had gotten so bad that in the century before Jesus was born, it would have been a toss-up for the Jews whether they hated the Romans more, the people who had conquered their territory and occupied them, whether they hated them more than the Samaritans. So that's how deep those emotions ran. And that feeling was mutual. The Samaritans despised the Jews for their unfair treatment of them, for destroying their cities, for destroying their capital and their important sites. So by Jesus' day, it had gotten physically violent to the point that a Jew would rather go through the much more difficult, challenging task of trying to cross the River Jordan to avoid walking through a Samaritan town in their travels. So now you can imagine how the story must have hit Jesus' original listeners. Here's this scholar of Jewish law who's in dialogue with Jesus, and that's what triggers this parable. And he's asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then the scholar recounts the, the core of the commandments. And Jesus can tell that he's got the words memorized. He has the outline down. But he's missing the heart behind those words as he presses Jesus, asking, and who is my neighbor? 
He's basically asking, is salvation only for the Jews, or more specifically, for the faithful, law-abiding Jews, like him and his friends? So Jesus, using this example of a hated Samaritan, of being someone who understood the heart of what it means to be neighbor, who simply saw someone in suffering and in need and didn't ask how much of a sinner are they and didn't make excuses not to get involved, just saw the need and responded lovingly and generously and in abundance. That breaks the box that they, and truth be told, sometimes we like to put God into. Jesus is trying to get into their heads and to ours that he's come to save us from sin and from death and to give us the fullness of life and to show us the path to eternal life. That's something that we should be excited about and want everyone to desire and everyone to experience. Yes, Jesus tells them right at the outset that the law and the commandments, those are good. They're important. Just like all of our Catholic responsibilities to go to Sunday Mass and go into confession, those are all good things. But that's not meant to be a, a box that we check off or as a way of limiting God and his mercy, especially to those who feel separated, who feel distant from God. Jesus' urgency, Jesus' desire is quite simply that he wants to save all of humanity. And even more, he wants all of us, his followers, to share that urgency and that desire. But there's an even more beautiful layer, something that's at the core of this story that is meant to be very personal and intimate for each one of us. One way of, of praying with Scripture is trying to imagine yourself in the Gospel story, asking, who do you see yourself as? Who could you relate to in that passage? And like I said earlier, I've often taken it to heart being the guy that Jesus is giving a little bit of a smackdown to, recognizing the areas that I failed in being selfless and loving as Jesus wants us to be. But then it hit me. Have I ever felt like that victim, like the guy on the side of the road who was broken and defeated and abandoned and alone? Have you? Can you ever think of a time where you felt invisible to the world around you? Convinced that you must have done something so wrong on such a cosmic scale that no one will even acknowledge you, let alone help you. And maybe you've even felt that God is treating you like that. Like he's forgotten you. You're going through some trial and illness, a profound loss, some fears that are keeping you up at night. You're experiencing some struggle like you're trying to overcome an addiction or trying to help someone else who doesn't want or think that they need any help. There's no limit to the number of situations that people encounter on a day-in and day-out basis that can sow all kinds of seeds of doubt and fear that will undermine the faith of the deepest of faithful people to think that God's too busy, too busy to notice me, or I'm just too insignificant for him to care about. If you're thinking that, right now or the next time you do remember this story because this gospel tells us that that's not the case Jesus is the good Samaritan 
Jesus, who is the personification of mercy, whose heart shed his blood for mercy upon the whole world. He knows when we're feeling like that victim on that side of the road. And he's telling us that he sees us. He notices us. He goes out of his way to pick us up. He's telling us that if it's because of sins that we've committed, he wants to heal those wounds. If it's the evils that others have done and committed on us that have us feeling beaten down, Jesus wants to lift us up, to take us in, and to care for us. We might have to look a little deeper at how it is that he's coming about that to us and how he meets us in unexpected ways. A guy I know has a, a, a child who's sick with a very serious illness, and just the, the whole thing, seeing his little guy hooked up to machines, being poked and prodded, has already has him maxed out in terms of stress. And on top of that, the company he's working for has him traveling out of state a lot for work. So he got to the airport, and the flight he had to go on gets canceled because of bad weather. So now he gets into this car, he's on his way home from the airport, and it breaks down, coincidentally, right in front of a church. So now he's just at his breaking point. He's just stewed and fumed for about 20 minutes in his car, and then he calls AAA again and yells at them some more when they tell him it's gonna be another 45 minutes to an hour before they get to him. And he said he just was at his breaking point. He decided to go into the church, which providentially had Eucharistic adoration going on, and he was just gonna let Jesus have it. He had a list a mile long of things that he was justifiably ticked off about. But he said that as soon as he got in there, and he saw the crucifix above the altar, and then he looked at Jesus on the altar in the Eucharist, he just broke down and started crying, saying it just snapped and hit him. How could he attack the one who suffered so much, so much for him? And he saw and realized that Jesus had gone that extra mile and above and beyond in that selfless act of supreme love for him and for his son and for his whole family. And in that exhausting, cathartic cry, he finally was able to let go of the anger and the fear and the stress and just put himself in Jesus' hands. And he said instantly he felt relief and he started to see his perspective shift. This stressful inconvenience of a flight being changed ended up having him home at a time which turned out to be a time he really needed to be there for his son. His son got even more sick while he was home. That important flight and all the stresses with the meeting that he needed to be at for work all seemed to get reorganized for him. No, the stresses aren't gone. And no, sadly, his son and his whole family still has a lot to face, but for this guy, he recognizes that Jesus is with him and that Jesus goes that extra mile to meet him and to heal him and to lift him up. And that strengthened him to be there for his family in a much more attentive and loving way than maybe he had been before. That's the heart of this gospel. Jesus is using this dramatic example of the Good Samaritan to give us another illustration of how he loves us, right here and right now. Jesus notices us. He recognizes the burdens and the struggles and the fears that we're facing, and he's trying to love on you and me right now. 
What boxes have we put God's love and mercy in our lives that he's trying to break out of to heal us and to lift us up? Yes, Jesus ultimately wants us to be of service to others, to follow his example of selflessness and sacrificial love, but we can only give what we have. We can only do that if we receive that kind of love ourselves. May you and I be open and open our hearts and our lives, especially tonight as we receive his body and blood in the Eucharist, to let Jesus be the good Samaritan to us right now. Thank you.